Remember that feeling of playing an ultra hard video game and dying? Over and over and over. Yeah, so do we. Listen to the Controller Throwers podcast on iTunes and Google Play. And check out the live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time at twitch.tv slash tcthrowers. The Controller Throwers, pressing start since 1985. Being a parent isn't an easy task. Throw in podcasting, social media management, and having a past in forensics, psychiatry, and diving into the minds of mentally ill and sick people. Well, our guest today has actually done this. Kate Willinga has worked in psychiatry, working with many different kinds of people. She now hosts her own podcast, Ignorance Was Bliss, and on top of that, she's a mother of four. You could say that she, she, she's doing quite a bit. But before we get into this episode, I just want to invite all of you, you lovely, lovely listeners, to head on over to Anchor and send me a voice message. Uh, the button to do so is on my page, Parent Quest, and it's very simple to do. Leave me a promo, a question, or tell me about a personal experience uh, with you and your parents while you were growing up, or you and your kids. It's easy, it's simple, and it's fun. Alright, now without further ado, here is Kate from Ignorance Was Bliss. The, the world of podcasting is just, it seems like you have like one, your set way of doing it and then you get a curveball every once in a while and then you got to figure out, well, how can I record with this individual or, or, you know, how can I make things work out to get them on the podcast? I had something recently where I'm still trying to work it out. The, the guy that I'm wanting to have on here doesn't use Skype. He's, mm-hmm. he has technical problems with Skype. Um, and I understand he doesn't want to give out his personal phone number, um, he can call into Uber Conference and block his number. And that's just a link that I send them? No, uh, it's a phone number. Okay. You set up an account, and it will assign you a phone number. Mm-hmm. And the free version worked fine for me for, like, six months. Okay. Or something, and I'm actually probably going to drop back to the free version, because I've gotten good enough with this method of each person recording on their end. Mm-hmm. That I don't think I need the storage space that I needed when all I was using was Uber Conference. So I'm thinking with just, I mean, this would be the one, one time that I I would ever probably use it, unless other mm-hmm. people don't use Skype. But I think it's pretty rare to come across somebody that doesn't use Skype, or hasn't used I, Skype. It, well, you know, from bear in mind, I'm 180 episodes in, mm-hmm. um, and so for me, I I've probably had. Half a dozen times where okay. it absolutely was the only way we could make things work. Okay. So I'm going to keep my account. I'm just going to drop it back down to the free version. I'm going to have to try that. I'll look that up after after we do this here. Um, but yeah, 
so I know we're kind of on the topic of podcasting, and this is more of a of a parenting uh, type show. But Kate, you are, I guess, I could say a pro podcaster. Like you, you know, you just said you're 180 episodes into your show, um, and you've been doing it for quite a while. And on top of that, you are a mother of four. Four. How do you yeah, do it? It's, it's far too many. Far too many children. <laughs> Um, I mean, the simple answer is that I have tremendous support at home and I don't have babies like my kids are older. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the two big secrets. Um, my husband is not at all interested in podcasting. He doesn't have time. He works full time plus a couple of part time gigs. He's a college professor. So he, he just can't be engaged with it in that way. But my kids are 19, 15, 9, and 7. And so even the 7-year-old is old enough to understand if I say, I have to go record, don't stomp around. (laughs) So that helps. Yeah. I do the vast majority of my recording either after 8 o'clock at night on weeknights where they're in bed or like right now. My nine-year-old is at a soccer game, and the seven-year-old went with them. So the little ones are out of the house. So basically you got some time to yourself to where you can work on your podcast. You can guest on other people's podcasts. Yeah, once in a while, yeah. That's nice. <laughs> yep, nice. exactly. Very nice. Uh, so I'm at the stage right now where my daughter's almost three, and she doesn't understand podcasting. So I've just come to the the acceptance that, you know what, I'm going to record when I can. And if she makes noises, she makes noises. I, gen- I generally <laughs> warn anyone that's on here, hey, my kid's going to be running around. But she's not home today, so it, it kind of worked out uh, in my favor. Well, but I mean, that's the thing is that I, I have to bear in mind, like my show is very interview conversation based. Mm-hmm. So... I can't control the sound on the other end. Right. And I can't control the sound on my end. And where I record is directly underneath the living room. And so I'm not going to tell people no conversations, no TV, no walking around. Like, just, you know, step gently if you can. And, you know, just so let's work together. Like, I'll drive you to your things. You give some respect to my thing and we all work together. And that seems to work out rather well for you. I mean, I guess having kids and and podcasting at the same time, I mean, just, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I'm losing my thought right now. (laughs) No, it is always a balance. It's always like whenever I am downstairs, when the kids, well, whenever I am downstairs, there's a degree of guilt that happens because... If the kids are awake, then I have this feeling like I should be upstairs. And I hate that word should so much Mm -hmm. because it implies that, like, there's some perfect way of existing and that I'm not meeting it. And I also hate guilt because, you know, it implies, like, I should have in the past. And Mm -hmm. so I carry that with me. And so I try really hard for both, you know, to just get rid of them because there's no perfect way to parent. There's no perfect way to podcast. And so I feel like to a degree, 
this helps my kids learn a sense of uh, consideration for other people. Mm -hmm. You know, that mom has a thing. Mom is not just mom. She has a hobby that's really important to her. Mm -hmm. And so let's give her some space to do that. They've learned. So my husband for Christmas last year, or maybe it was my one year anniversary. They're close together uh, for podcasting. He bought me a lit up recording sign, like you, you know, like you would see over oh, a nice. studio. Yeah, and I, it's on a remote, so I can turn it on from downstairs when I'm actually recording. And so we're slowly training them. Like if that's lit up, that's a signal. But just mm -hmm. because I'm downstairs means doesn't mean they have to tiptoe and avoid. Like they can come down while I'm editing. Mm -hmm. You know, or that kind of thing. And so it's about sort of a give and take. And at the end of the day, if my kid comes down the stairs because they need mom, that trumps any podcasting right. effort I have. Right. So kind of going along the lines with, with what you're saying here, uh, podcasting seemed like it got to the point with me of like, this is the time I'm doing it. I need quiet. I need peace. I need... Uh, you know, no dis no disturbance. And I realized with that attitude, very shortly after I had that attitude, that it doesn't work that way with the family because you start getting frustrated because you you feel like you're depending on yourself to, to record a podcast, but then there's also that kind of neglect that you have with your family. That's like, what I'm saying. That guilt is there all yeah. the time. And for me, there's also a certain degree of guilt if I'm downstairs after 8 p.m. of... I should be spending some time with my husband because he works late. Right. Or I need to be upstairs where I can hear if the kids wake up. Or just I need to get the sleep so that I'm ready the next morning. Like all of those things. Like there's never a perfect time. And I think that's a parenting thing. Like our society tries to train us to think that in order to be a good parent, I have to be 100% available for every whim that my child has. I have to protect them from any possible hurt, and I have to anticipate all their needs. Which that would, I guess, be considered a parent in a perfect world, but that could also potentially drive someone to insanity. Well, and it's bad for the kids, I frank, I really believe that. Like, okay. there's, So there's a psychologist called Eric Erickson who, I don't know, not today, many years ago, came up with this concept that he calls the good enough mother. And the idea is, it's not just, you know, part, part of it is that good enough means exactly that. Like, if I'm not perfect every day, that's okay. I can go to bed at night feeling like that was good enough. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's it. Like, it, you know, parenting is a marathon and not a sprint. And so if I made some mistakes again... Today, as long as my kids ate and went to bed and they're healthy and they're safe, that's good enough. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard concept for these, you know, these, these mommies especially, but these parents who want to do everything perfect. Like to forgive yourself for being good enough and not perfect. Like mm -hmm. there's that. But the second layer to that is if I never made a mistake, never got sick, never fell down, never just broke... That's bad for my kids because they need to see that it's okay to fall down and make a mistake and break sometimes. Yeah. And then in the safety of the home, they need to see how do you get back up again. Yeah. They need to see that you do get back up again. 
I mean, that in itself is, is a lesson for them to learn. That's what I'm saying, is that, yeah. you know, in the, in the safety of a home, while you're still a child, that's the time when you learn coping mechanisms mm-hmm. and you learn that it's okay to break sometimes. Like, that's, you don't want to make it to adulthood yeah, having never watched somebody really screw things up. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that would be kind of a, a good time to go into your podcast itself. You know, ignorance was bliss. Um, would you mind giving our listeners just an, an idea of what the podcast is about and how you came upon the idea for ignorance was bliss? Yeah, sure. Um, so my show is, I am, I am a clinical and forensic psychologist as well as a former crisis clinician. I've been on disability for five years now. And I was listening to a lot of shows, especially true crime, because being a forensic psychologist, I worked in prison, I worked in a locked psych unit, that kind of thing. And I have training that's pretty specific and kind of dark at times. And so I learned how people work, how specifically at the ends of the normal curve, you know, like. I learned how criminals work. I learned how people in a psychotic break work. And so I would, I would listen to a lot of podcasts and they would ask these questions. Why was that? Why was somebody found not guilty by reason of insanity? Or what is it like when somebody falls apart? Or just what does it mean to have anxiety versus nervousness versus panic? You know, or, or what is schizophrenia anyway? Like I would hear all these questions and I would know the answers mm-hmm. to the extent that anybody can know a thing. I would know them. And so I decided I'm going to start a show. I thought it was going to be more sort of luxury at first, but it turns out that I do best when I'm talking to another person and I could get a lot of other people to come on my show. So out of 180 episodes, I think I have like, four (laughs) maybe (laughs) that are solo and that's balanced out by like i have one specific episode that's four hours long with 28 guests wow (laughs) so how how did you i mean (laughs) hold on four hours with 28 guests was that simultaneously i mean no okay no, I'm, I'm not that cruel no okay. so i put out a thing in this is january 2018 i think the episode is 89 or something like that and i put out a call sort of generally in a couple of facebook groups and on twitter saying i want to talk to people about their experiences with suicide because i wanted to present the fact that it's not just about death there's a lot of other facets to this phenomenon mm-hmm. you know whether you survived an attempt or you know someone who's died by suicide or you've thought about it or whatever like you may live in sort of a passively suicidal mindset all the time and what is that like like i wanted to collect all this i wanted it to be overwhelming because i wanted people to realize like this is a big deal yeah And so I put out the call, and I figured, I don't know, half a dozen people, maybe. And like I said, I got 28 people to to call in and talk to me about their lives in these incredibly vulnerable, intense ways. And so I'm not going to cut any of those out. Right. And I decided I'm going to run it as a full four-hour episode because people know how to hit stop when they need to. And 
it is overwhelming. It should be overwhelming. Yeah. That's, uh... That is an incredible amount of support that you had for that episode for... Uh, such a deep subject. And I'm it, saying... Oh, go ahead. No, I'm saying it just... It really was... It was touching that people would open their... their lives and hearts and minds to me and these were not mm. like some of these were strangers to me but you know either they heard the show or maybe they just saw a post on twitter but they were they wanted to talk about this thing that a lot of polite society won't talk about right and so i mean that was sort of my heaviest show i get well one of my heavier shows i don't it's hard to know because sometimes i go dark and i go right. real dark and then other times we keep it light and I talk about sort of silly or lighthearted things, you know, and it's all a balance. It's a complete grab bag. Like my show is not intended to to really be binged so much as just pick and choose the episodes that you're interested in. Right. And it's all over the map. And, and the title was initially conceived because of this idea that like once you know something, you can't unknow it. You know, and so ignorance mm-hmm. was bliss, and now you're not so blissful anymore. And that's still, like, there are the occasional episode that just doesn't apply to you, because it's like, no, I actually feel better for having learned a thing. But, you know. Yeah. And and I feel like with, you know, your education background and the previous jobs that you've had, you obviously have to have some kind of... Uh, I guess appreciation for uh, the darkness that is involved with that, like diving into the human brain and figuring out, well, what's, what is going on inside these individuals' heads? You know, what, you know, what are they thinking about and what makes them think that way? I mean, there, I don't know. It's, it's such an interesting subject to me and it is far beyond (laughs) uh, my brain comprehension to even understand, uh, the type of work that, that you do and you did. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. It, that's it's part of the, yeah, but that's part of the, the trick, I guess, for lack of a better word. Like what I did was not magic. Like I got a lot of training and stuff. And so it's, it's simple to me, but I don't use jargon on my show. I do swear a lot on my show. Mm-hmm. I, my point is to make things as accessible and sensible in, like not not in the sense of being rational, but in the sense of being understandable. Um, you know, the way I did my job, whether it was like I've, I've sat in the room with serial killers. I've sat in the room with somebody in the emergency room who's having a panic attack and kind of everything in between. And the way you do that is to sort of check your logic at the door and your sense of right and wrong and your rationality. You leave it at the door and you come and sit with this person mm-hmm. and you say, how did how did how did you get here? What what brings you here today? And then you listen to their story, because everybody follows a logic. It's just that that logic isn't necessarily the healthiest or most rational. And so you learn their story, and you kind of have to immerse yourself in that world. And sometimes that means going into a real dark mindset. Mm-hmm. And then the trick is when you leave the room, you got to leave their stuff in the room and pick up your own sense of right and wrong and you know less dark when you walk away so 
would it be accurate to say that when you go into that room with an individual, you have to take your shoes off and put yourself in their shoes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then you just have to remember to put your shoes on again when yeah. you leave. So, does any of your kids, have they? do they have the same kind of interests as you do when it comes to forensics and psychiatry and diving into another person's mind, like the human brain? Or is that just something think, that you do? Well, it's, I think everybody has their, their skill and their gift. Mm-hmm. And there are aspects, I mean, there's psychology involved in every human behavior. Right, that's kind of what psychology is. Is is, is basic. It's just understanding human behavior. And I don't pretend to know that I'm right. I just have one way of understanding human behavior, and that doesn't mean the other people are wrong. Although I would argue Freud is often wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but the so my daughter, my oldest, is 19. She's in her sophomore year, uh, getting her bachelor in fine arts. And. On the one hand, you would think like that has nothing to do with what I do. On the other hand, you have to understand humanity pretty well in order to create art that they want to see. Mm-hmm. And people seem to like my logo and all of my merch is done by her and that kind of thing. So there's a, a way that she's using her understanding of humanity to do what she does. Um, my 15-year-old is a musician and a gamer, and both of those require a certain degree of understanding the human condition. So nobody wants to go into forensics exactly, but they're using things that I've taught them, both intentionally and unintentionally, you know, over the years. Mm -hmm. I would also say, (laughs) say that one of the things that we do together is watch shows like Criminal Minds. It's like you're bonding. Yeah, that's sort of our bonding thing is to watch like real dark shows. Mm -hmm. And they both seem to understand, like they watch me burst into flames when they do something on the show. I'm like, that's wrong. That wouldn't (laughs) happen that way. You know, and so, but, so they're learning and they're getting it and some of their friends listen. And so it's, it's just an interesting, like the answer is both yes and no. Okay. Okay. Um, What about you know, podcasting, you know, they see you doing it so much and they understand what you're doing. Do you think that, that, that is something that they would pick up on in the future? Do they show any interest in it at all? Or is it just another thing that, you know, that's, that's your thing. That's your hobby. I mean, my daughter, like I said, does all my art. Mm-hmm. So there's a way that she is both engaged because just because her art shows up, but also because I'll say to her, I'm doing a show on this. I need something that fits this topic. You know, so she's engaged with that. Um, All four of my kids, including the little ones, have lent their voices or their thoughts to shows of mine or to shows of friends at different points in time over the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband has helped out with some things. And so, you know, podcasting, as you know, it becomes this like all-encompassing hobby. And so the best way to me to go about it is to find ways to involve them to the extent that they want to be. I could totally see my 15-year-old starting up probably more like a YouTube channel in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, The little ones, it's just so hard to know. There's a, I guess you'd say they're still exploring themselves and who they're trying to be. My nine-year-old for sure. My seven-year-old has a a trauma history. Mm Mm-hmm. 
she is adopted from a, a real hard background. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, she can't speak very clearly right now. Uh, she doesn't use her diaphragm. She doesn't project well. Okay. So I'm not sure where she'll go with that or what that will, how that will impact her life. But they know it's here and they seem to respect it. And so I hope that either they pick up podcasting or they pursue their own hobby. Right. Knowing that it will be respected too. Right. I think for me, you know, growing up, and, I, and we, we discussed this on your show uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, my brother, like I said, was he's real big into sports, real big into uh, football and basketball. My sister was big into uh, arts and crafts when she was younger. And uh, I was more centered on not the team sports type thing, just kind of doing my own thing as far as skateboarding and uh, surfing and snowboarding. And, and I eventually picked up music and played guitar and stuff and no matter what it was between the three of us, the best thing about it was it was our own thing that we loved and our parents had supported us through that and, and kind of pushed us. Not, you know, not just go on out and do your own thing, but, you know, they, they put their foot in and they helped us. Like, uh, my dad would take me to skate parks. My mom would take me to skate parks. Uh, obviously, they would buy my sister supplies and stuff and... and my brother's sporting equipment or whatever. But just the fact that as kids, we have that support for our hobbies uh, just makes it all that more special, I think, when you're at such a young age to help you find out what you truly love. Well, that's my sort of, I don't know, you know, like my daughter's 19, so I've been a parent forever. And <laughs> one of my, you develop sort of like, mottos i guess i don't uh, taglines i don't know the right word mm -hmm. but one of them is that my job as a parent is to figure out who my kids are mm -hmm. and then get out of their way so we were told by my daughter's kindergarten teacher like she's really good at art get her in private lessons and my husband and i were like okay we're on it and <laughs> that's exactly what we did and i feel like my 15-year-old my is still, to a large degree, exploring like exactly what he wants to do or who he wants to be. And so it's about letting him do that, giving him the space to find who he is. The same with the little kids. Mm -hmm. And that once they land on it, I, I need to get out of their way. So as a parent, I mean, is that, is that, was that hard for you? I mean, do you want to... <laughs> do the opposite of, of what you know they're telling you to do um there are there are times where i look at my kid and i know that they are choosing something that is not right for them okay and i have to let them do it you know i you, because they still think it's right for them and mm -hmm. so that's a, that's a hard thing like so my daughter was into softball for a long time and that was fine when it was like early teens and not very competitive but then she would talk about like I want to join the high school team or I want to join the college team and in my head I'm thinking no way mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not not gonna happen she just doesn't have the drive that these other kids do plus her drive is in a different direction and there comes a point where you kind of have to pick a direction and follow it for a while instead mm -hmm. of doing a little of everything so that's hard to 
let the kid do things even when you know it's not right for them. And it's hard to let your kid fall down when you'd like to protect them from everything, but you have to let them fall down. And so my 15-year-old just very lately has been less engaged in school and activities just in terms of, like, he's physically present, but he's less enthusiastic because he's 15, you know, Mm -hmm. like, that's the thing. And I have to let him get in a little trouble at school. And I have to let him fall down a little bit, even though what I want to do is leap in and be like, okay, no, you're going to do this right now. Get your shoes on. Because that's how you learn. So that's super hard. But, you know, another one of my sort of mottos as as a parent is that one of my primary jobs is to make myself obsolete. So I need to, you know, you start with this, this infant who needs you for absolutely everything, like, you know, food, clothing, shelter, but they don't even know when they're hungry. Mm -hmm. Like all they know how to do is signal distress and I have to meet all of those needs. And then the older they get, ideally, the less that I step in and do and that means letting them screw it up. It means teaching them. So I taught my seven-year-old how to make spaghetti and meatballs the other night. Mm-hmm. And I still don't let her turn on the stove. But otherwise, it's like, she can do this. You know? But, it, like, it's so much more work to sort of stand with her and teach her how to do all the steps than it would be to just do it do myself. It. Yeah. But that's how she learns. Right. And so I put in the work, you front load the effort so that now I look at my 19 year old and I know without hesitation that if some sort of crisis happened and I had to just leave, that she could handle the house, Mm -hmm. including for her siblings if she needed to. And my 15 year old is like 90% of the way there. And even like, so I, I told you on the show that you came on, that one of our rules is that every day you have to do three chores if you want to sleep inside. And I wouldn't actually make them sleep outside, I don't think. But it's fun to say. Right. And so my seven-year-old was adopted when she was three. And so at three, she had chores. And they were real chores. Like, we weren't placating her. And so she knew how to empty out the silverware from the dishwasher or she knew how to take the recycling outside Mm -hmm. and it you know it starts simple and it starts small but now she's cooking dinner you know Mm -hmm. so that's I look at my oldest and it's this mix of my heart aches because of how proud I am of this young woman that she's become Mm -hmm. and I also there's a part of me that already misses mom I miss being mom to her Mm mm-hmm and so, it, you know, but, it, it, but it's hard it's because you want, you want to do and be all of these things to your kid, but you can't. That's not healthy. So. I can't. I honestly, I can't imagine uh, that feeling because right now we are, we, we've been at that stage of kind of giving everything. But now, you know, she is at the age where she knows to do certain things. She knows, uh, uh, she knows how to do things. 
but we still have to let her, like you said, learn for themselves. So if something comes up, obviously we're watching her, but if something comes up that might be have a negative effect on her, it's still kind of teaching her like life, teaching her consequences uh, with actions and and. I don't know. I it just it's hard for me to comprehend looking eighteen years down the road from now and seeing where my daughter's at. You know, mm-hmm. and and how you know you can't really. I guess you're always a parent. They're always going to be your baby, but you're going to be parenting a three year old differently than you would be parenting a twenty year old. It it's tricky, and like both my older kids traveled with me this summer on separate sort of vacations. And for both of them, like, we made it through multi-state trips without, like, meltdowns or arguments. Nice. And, yeah, <laughs> you know. And on the one hand, I, I especially with my oldest, there's a, a sense of equality. Like, she knows she can speak to me as more of an equal. Both of my older kids know that it's okay to swear at me if they get angry but it's also important that they apologize afterward. Like they get that concept and they can, they also bring things to me if they're upset or if they're scared about something like they're, they're more able to talk to me. Um, I think because of that, because they know that they can say anything and and we'll roll with it. That being said, I reserve the right to yell at them if they're screwing up, you know, especially if it's in a way that, either makes them unsafe or upsets their younger siblings. Mm -hmm. So it's never like, I struggle with this concept when people say like, my mother is my best friend Mm -hmm. because best friends implies inequality that is going to be there. And I think that as parent and child, there's always going to be, or maybe should be a sense of inequality. A superior and inferior. Yeah, the, well, it might be a little harsh yeah, saying it that way, that's, but that's pretty strong. But but yeah. yeah, yeah, basically this this idea that like I reserve the right to yell at her if she's sixty and I'm eighty two. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I don't think yeah. I will, but I reserve that right. And so it's just it's I don't know it's tricky with the older they get, it's a totally different path to navigate, mm-hmm. and. Then I look at my other two, like my nine-year-old is still sort of in that phase of like, I tell you what you do and you do it. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a whole lot of discussion there. And then my seven-year-old, like you think after three kids, I'm like, I got this. It's okay. I figured it out. And then I have a child with trauma enter my life and I'm like, I got nothing. Like I didn't yeah. have any idea what I was doing yeah. because how you parent that kid is totally different in terms of logistics. but. At the end of the day, with all of the kids, you know, I would lie down in front of a train if it helped them. Mm-hmm. And I think that fundamentally, like, so my um, my little one, her, her biological mother uh, is somebody that we knew. And so they were, she was staying with us for a little while before we realized we were going to have to adopt. And... She had been out of the house for, for a week and a half or so and came back. And I pulled her aside when she came back. And I said to her, like, look, here's the one thing you have to do as a mom. Like, just one thing. Because I know it's overwhelming to have been, she was unwell. And so I'm like, I know it's overwhelming to be sick and then to come back. 
and try to parent right away, especially in a house with four other kids or three other kids at that point. So look, one thing, bottom line, is that you need to look at this kid and communicate to them through your words and actions, I got this. And it doesn't matter what this is. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's I can handle feeding you dinner or I'm going to herd you safely through the next zombie apocalypse. Like, the, and it doesn't have to be true, frankly. But it's what kids need is this feeling of the parents, like even if they break, even if they fall down, even if they screw up or get scared or seem clueless in the moment, my kids still need to look at me and see, look, I got this. We'll figure this out. And I feel like that's sort of at the, the basic core of my approach to parenting is that I need to communicate that to my kids and I need to let them be okay. That's strong. That's a very strong point. It it just it, it makes you feel like uh, I mean your your kids look up to you, and if they see that you are kind of gung ho, like we've got this, we're gonna get through this. Like that's just extra reassurance that they have to know that you're there for them, and that you know they've got your support. I think that's what they need. Like, I don't think kids need to or even should see a parent who always has the answers. I don't right. think that's... I mean, because we don't. And I think they need to see that's okay that we don't. But what they need to see is, look, I got you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to figure this out. Right. We always have. We figured out all kinds of other horrible, horrible things and also good things. We'll figure it out. We got this. Just... Give me a second. Kate, I want to thank you so much for coming on. So with this podcast, it's been more centric on like, I guess, nerdy things kind of. And and really when I started doing this, I thought, well, what is a nerd? Someone to me, it's someone that is extremely knowledgeable in a certain thing. And uh, they love what they do. And and to me, um, not only are you like a nerd in, in psychiatry, but you're definitely, you've got so much experience and knowledge as a parent as well. And just having you on and talking about your personal experiences has just been a delight. And I, I can't thank you enough for just giving me some of your time to hop on here. Oh, I mean, thank you. Like, it's it, it, my two favorite topics, right? Are podcasting yeah. and parenting, like, there. I mean, it's serial killers, but. <laughs> is So, is there anything that you want to promote? Is there anything coming up or uh, anything that you just want to let our listeners know? I mean, yeah, I have my, my main show is Ignorance Was Bliss. Uh, that's at IWBpodcast.com, you know, or on podcatchers, wherever. I have a second show called Life World, all one word. And that is about cybercrime and, you know, situations where you sort of use the internet as a weapon. And my co-host there is Derek. And we take turns sort of picking a case and telling each other about it and making snarky comments. So those are sort of my two big projects. I got a couple other things down the pike, but we're not there yet. Okay. Uh, Did not know you had a podcast on cybercrimes. Apparently I didn't (laughs) do uh, my research on that, but... I'm going to definitely check that out. Uh, 
I, I don't know if I've ever heard of a podcast talking about cyber crimes. So that is right? the first for me. Yeah. That's why we started it is because I was like, everybody uses the internet to listen to these podcasts. I feel like you should know about some of the ways that people abuse the internet. Right. And, and true crime podcasts are on the top of the podcast totem. Well, they are, but it's more like I very specifically, like I, I, like I said, I've worked with serial killers, right. literally. I've worked with murderers and rapists and whatever you like, horrible, horrible things. I don't need to make that into entertainment. Like it's been done and sometimes it's done well and that's all great. And I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to produce is where's an area that doesn't have things yet. And so my podcast, Ignorance Was Bliss, was started as that people are not seeming to understand certain aspects that I do understand. And so that's that's the, the slot I'm going to aim for. And I started off much more true crime and have drifted away. Right. Um, because there are just so many other things to talk about. And then with, with Life World... I was realizing, like, there's a couple of really great white-collar crime kind of shows, mm-hmm. but otherwise, all of the true crime, it's it's like this voyeuristic experience, and people are losing the humanity of both the victim and the perpetrator. And that, like, again, that's fine. It's just not my scene. And so I was like, all right, well, here's a, here's a thing we can talk about that is not, like, so far there hasn't been a murder in it yet, and we have seven episodes out. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be. There's a couple of cases that I that we're going to talk about, but even then, it's not about the gore of the act. It's about the mechanism through which the act has been carried out. That is uh, very interesting. Like I said, I, I don't think I've heard of a podcast that dives into cyber bullying. So that's uh, something to look forward to. Again, thank you very much, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back on. Anytime. And there you have it. Another episode of Parent Quest done. I can't thank Kate enough for coming on this week and uh, giving me just a little bit of her time uh, to pick at her brain and, and talk about raising kids it was just an incredible conversation. Make sure to check her out on Twitter and uh, Facebook, IWB Podcast. And you can check out Ignorance Was Bliss on iTunes, Google Play, pretty much anywhere that you can hear podcasts. You can find that podcast as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much again. And thank you, listeners, for listening to this week's episode. Um, I can't express how thankful I am for you all. Uh, it just it means a lot to have your support. So, with that said, I think I can say with confidence, this week's quest has been completed.